What is up, rugby fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Safa Pod. In a week where some rugby was played by the box, not necessarily very well. There's a lot to review and preview. Before then, I'd like to welcome in my friend, Keegan Hall. Steaks, how are we? Always good, man. Always good. Happy to be here, as always. Not too bad. Obviously, as you just mentioned, we're going to get into some conversation and some talking points about not a hugely impressive performance on the on the weekend. But I would like to say I pretty much got that uh, that New Zealand Aussie score bang on. What about the uh, the box score though? We won't talk about that, dude. You know what? <laughs> I was watching that game and we were so close and all we needed was that seven pointer. That's all. No, not even. I think we just needed five points or something like that. And then they bloody lose the ball and then Argentina go and score. I was that close. I'm so glad I didn't put money on it. (laughs) Yeah, it's probably a good thing. I'm not a betting man either. Although... I did say it was either going to be closer. Yeah. Bottom scare you for you the really argument. nailed it, Scott. You really nailed it, bro. Listen, mate. If you don't, if you don't add the fine print in, then you don't <laughs> cover yourself, as they say. T's and C's, buddy. T's and C's. On that, let's just get into the thick of it. No beating around the bush. The box didn't turn up, and we were so so excited for that game, especially that that team on paper. I think the Grant Williams injury definitely had an impact and i think he was given license to play what he saw and then buff was probably set to come off the bench just as you know a bit of a steady hand should it be needed either rescue us or, or continue grant williams's good work however within a minute that was kind of just thrown out the window steegs what did you think of the actual incident itself because the argentinian player has been cited for it yeah, no, exactly. I mean, as, as soon as I saw that, it, it really, really did just look completely reckless, you know. And the, the the more we were looking at it and the more the ref was talking, you know, one or two mates are just like, ah, you know, you're just going for the ball and that. But, you know, the more I thought about it, I was just like, no, but you don't, you don't just fly into a player, mate. Like, there's a way you can charge down the ball where it's like you almost angled towards where the kick is going to go but like you you go a little bit lower you know what i mean you don't go full blast in the guy's head like doesn't make sense yes he's a scrum off and he's a little bit shorter but like just didn't make sense i mean when, when i saw it straight away and even the replays i was like there's got to be at least a not, not, not even at least a penalty at least a card like at least the yellow and then go and check it upstairs or something like that but the the, the fact that the ref got it wrong and there was absolutely nothing is just unbelievable to me you have a player knocked out within the first minute obviously everyone's super pumped everyone's super amped in that first minute you want to you know put the put the charge on but bloody hell to knock out a player like that so irresponsibly and nothing be done is just mind-boggling to me i was watching with a couple of friends that don't necessarily watch that much rugby and there was obviously that incident and then there was the argentinian player that got knocked out too out cold and they were like, is this normal? Like, does this just happen every single game? And a little voice inside my head wanted to be like, yeah, this is this just happens. But I was like, no, it doesn't. And it's highly unusual. And I think it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. The other question I had on that is, do we think this is the fallout from Rossi Erasmus and all of his social media stuff over the last kind of six months to you? Do we think that refs are not going to give the South African team as much of the rubber the green 
as they would have maybe three, four years ago. Because if you look at that 2019 World Cup, our discipline was immense. And that's really where the box went wrong on Saturday. Yeah, I think I think it's where we're going wrong at the moment. I mean, look, yeah, at the end of the day, I think it's more certain refs that might have a bit of a sour taste. And, and I mean, you can see, especially after that New Zealand game, you know, Rassi's comments as well, you know, uh, the, the, the ref's performance was better than ours sort of thing, you know, taking accountability that at the end of the day, you can't leave it up to the ref. Yes, there are those moments where you need the ref to be on song and you need to get those calls, you know, go, going your way. I mean, this game's just a game of inches, you know, one inches to the left or the right can make a decision, uh, can make a, a change to the game and a, and a decision can make a change to the game. I think Rossi's obviously trying to do some, some uh, you know, a, a, a little bit of PR work there or something like that, where he's like just trying to sort out with the, with the refs and just try and get them back, not necessarily on our side, but being neutral. But I don't know. I don't know so much if it's, um, you know, everything's going to go against us with regards to the refs. But it is something that, you know, it was in the moment with that whole, um, you know, the whole British and Irish Lions tour. It was important for for Rassi to speak and to stand up against what was really terrible officiating then. And then obviously once or twice before that, getting in, into a little bit of trouble. But we love Rassi. But at the end of the day, uh, it it got us a British and Irish Lions uh, win, which is really, really good. But there's obviously repercussions for being so outspoken against refs, which I think is bullshit, man. I think refs need to be held accountable. I think they need to have some sort of rating system uh, with regards to their games where, yes, it's in the moment, you know, it's tough to make decisions, but that's why these guys get paid big bucks, man. That's why they're the best in the world. And if you are the best in the world, you shouldn't be stuffing up so bad. I think that's interesting because the refs do have a, a rating system. They've got private reviews that the public are not privy to. They need which, to make it public, mate. But on, on the other side of that, do you not think that that just encourages hateful messages from fans? So prime example, post that France game, Wayne Barnes refed his 100th test when we played France at the end of last year and his wife was getting messages from people as was he about things they were going to do to his daughter and his wife so th there needs to be some sort of protection there so i think it's quite a fine line i suppose the more pointed question or the more, more well put together question would be do we think 50 50 chances or 50 50 calls are going to go the box way or do we think that we're actually just going to have to be at least eight points up in most games, just in case that there is one of those 50-50 instances. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely get to that answer um, for that question now. But I mean, even with regards to exactly that uh, example you gave, I mean, at the end of the day, mate, if you're on TV and you are getting all this exposure, you know what I mean? It's not like no one knows these referees' names. I mean, we all know the referees' names. They are probably just as popular or even more so popular than a lot of the professional rugby players. You know what I mean? You can, there, there's only one ref main referee in the game. And you, we, we all know these guys at the end of the day, they, they are famous, you know, and whether you're an actor, whether you're a singer, whether you're a sportsman or sportswoman, whatever it is, 
you're going to get those comments. You're going to get those messages and stuff like that. So I think at the end of the day as well, it's like, if, if you don't want, uh, if you don't want the heat, then get out of the kitchen. You know what I mean? If you don't want all that, those eyes on you and people to comment and stuff like that, then you shouldn't be on a platform where you're going to have millions of people watching you, you know, and with, with regards to the, the making, maybe these ratings go public is the fact that, you know, if, it is public. People know that maybe they're being held accountable, you know, whereas if, if the fans think, hey, this is a pretty crappy game from this ref, but we don't know what World Rugby has done, if they've like spoken to the ref, if they said like, hey, you need to work on this or whatever, what the rating is, we, we just left in the dark. So we so I think a lot of people take it upon themselves to be like, hey, you had a shit game today. You know, meanwhile, if the ratings were put out or something like that, maybe that would even possibly you know stop a lot of those comments because it's like hey they've been told they had a shit game or but something do you like not, that you know? do you not think that just breeds quite a negative cycle from because if you think about if you think about the refs they are they are doing their best it's the same as 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 rugby players the last thing that you want is scott and steegs to be sitting in there sitting in their their living room after watching a game texting you or messaging you on instagram telling you what a shit bloke you are because you don't know how to ref a game of rugby do you not think that social media at the moment we're, we're probably digressing from rugby a little bit here social media at the moment in terms of the hate that that pe- people in the public eye are getting is not maybe a bit too harsh do you not think that there's a line that a lot of people are crossing and do you not think that there needs to be some sort of protection for for refs players and people on social media because there's a very big difference between somebody being a celebrity and somebody loving the game of rugby and wanting to be a ref a lot of refs don't get into ref into refing because they want to be celebrities or social media sensations they get into ref because refing because of the love of the game and really without refs there is no rugby without that person in the middle there is nobody to officiate the game and we can't watch the game we love yeah i mean i mean i 100 percent agree with you in the sense of you know we like social media is just unreal with the amounts of hate on there and there's there's no part of me at all that is um you know sort of saying that it's like warranted for these uh messages and negative comments towards the refs and stuff like that i mean it's it it, it is what it is you know what i mean and it's it's more just me saying it like it's it's gonna happen regardless i mean just you know again like we sort of digressing but we you know we just using examples for the topics but like with my social media man like when i first started like i got a hell of a lot of negative comments and stuff like that but then eventually you just learn how to deal with it or you just don't go on social media like you have actors and sportsmen and women and stuff like that that are in the limelight they are famous like if you're going down that line and you're going to be the best in the world in the sport you've got to understand that it comes with pros and cons you are going to be on tv a lot if you play well you are going to be your name's going to be on a lot of jerseys that are getting sold you are going to be famous whether you're on social media or not but if you want to minimize that sort of direct um messaging or or something something like that or seeing tweets and stuff just eliminate social media you have actors and sportsmen and women and stuff that just don't have social media they're still in the limelight and they're still you know doing these interviews and stuff like that but they're maybe not seeing these comments as much because they're just not on social media so i think that's that's my thing like if you if you're gonna have social media and you're 
going to have a shit game. You're going to hear about it. You know what I mean? Like all the rugby players have to deal with it at the end of the day. You know what I mean? They, they're playing the game because they love, love the game. And now they got to make it into a career. The referees are refing the game because they love the game. But now they made it into a career. And that's just pros and cons that you sort of have to face that, you know, I think like sometimes, yes, it, it is the most unforgiving job being a referee or an umpire or anything like even thinking about baseball, like they literally have the strike zone on TV. So if the ball's just outside of it and the, the umpire calls it a strike or something, but you see it as a ball because you've got the box, you know, it's very easy from the couch to, to sort of yell at the umpire and that, but that's just, it's just what sport is. You know, you, you're going to, you can't make everyone happy. There's going to be calls that are going to go one way and then you're going to have those fans hate you. And then those fans are going to love you because of a call you made. And then other ones are going to hate you. It just, it, it is an unforgiving job. And I think, yes, we should obviously stand against like, you know, like hateful comments and it shouldn't get to that point. But that's why I say if there's, if there's showing that there is accountability that not necessarily coming down on them and like, you know, really firing them or, or de demoting them or something just because they have a bad game. Like, who cares? It's, it's one bad game or something like that. But it's more just showing the public that like, hey, like, you know, we did, we do these ratings and stuff like this is the public rating. It is what it is. You know, if they, they still put the stats, if you have a bad game and, and everyone on the analysis teams will talk about a player, if he has a shocking game and they'll rip him a new one, but the minute we do it to a ref and stuff, it's a big problem because it's, you know, protect the refs and stuff, which again, like I say, no hate or anything like that should be directed to them. But at the end of the day, they are athletes. You know what I mean? They, they, yes, they're the officials, but they are athletes themselves and they're in the limelight. And, and yeah, I just think that's sort of my, my opinion on it, you know? I think but that, we love the referees. We, we love do, the referees. We, we do love the referees and the referees have got a, a big part to play in every single game that we watch. And, I think there is a way to hold them accountable without going yeah. through them or coming down on them. I think they are doing that in the background, but I think that public rating systems, certainly with us South Africans, like my girlfriend tells me off all the time for screaming and shouting at the ref when I am sitting on my couch. One of my favorite things to scream is that cynical ref. Nine out of 10 times, it's not cynical at all. I'm just being a springbok tinted glasses supporter so it'll be it'll be interesting to see but do you think those those 50 50 calls might maybe go in the way of the other team i don't i don't, I don't think so to be honest man like i don't um at the end of the day you can sort of see russie's like trying to save face a little bit here with some of the comments and stuff and you've just got to be respectful and and the springboks at the end of the day apart from that time which was again like i say warranted for him standing up for his boys and being a leader um at the same time for south african rugby it was warranted but i i, I really don't think refs are going to be holding a grudge against uh the the springboks and everything like that you know i, I, I don't think it'll run that deep you know what I mean? But I mean, yeah, you, you never know. Maybe, maybe one or two refs are going to hold a grudge because that's just the type of person they are. But I think the refs in a whole, as a whole, they're not going to have these like meetings and say, you know, fuck the spring box and shit like that. You know, I think, I think 50, 50 calls are going to go um, either way. And that, I think it's more important that our boys actually perform and we don't leave it up to those 50, 50 calls and, you know, start really hammering home in the first 15 minutes so we can be up, stay up and win games convincingly. Yeah. Now question, 
scrum halves wise, talking of of that injury to Grant Williams, he's he's obviously likely to be back in two three weeks when we play Wales. Won't be featuring this weekend, and understandably so. Fox will probably be taking three scrum halves to the World Cup. I think Fafter Clark is definitely going. Yeah, I think Kubis Reinach is probably definitely going. Yeah, so that, that leaves Herschel Yankees, Grant Williams, Jaden Hendrickson. Who do you think, think the box is going to pick? Healthy Grant Williams. He's got to go, man. Like, I love Herschel Yankees. He's obviously got that good little partnership pairing with uh, Marnie Lebock and that. But, I mean, if you've got those two, you know, between Faf de Klerk and Corbus Reinach, and then you have a Grant Williams on there, I just think Grant Williams has had such a brilliant season. And it's, it's really, really was so unfortunate his his injury i was literally hyping him up before the game to all my mates that you know haven't really been keeping up with rugby too much saying like yo watch this grant williams guys the way he darts his speed his vision is just unreal the first minute he bloody gets knocked out you know it was so disappointing but no i i seriously do back grant williams going to that uh going to that world cup i think it might be Jaden Hendrickson. you're right sir because I think they'll take two players who can play the same way that Foster Clark does in terms of a bit more of a box kicking option. Somebody who maybe controls the game a bit more rather than a running threat. The article that I read today said that Jacques Nienarbet has come out to say the reason that obviously Jaden Hendricks has not played was the unfortunate death of his father at the start of the series. Then he's had a bit of a shoulder injury from playing with the Sharks. So there was a, a limited period where they were going to be able to play him and they've not been able to do that. He's not been named in the team to play this weekend. But what he did say, which I thought was quite interesting, was that they know what Jaden Hendricks offers so it's just a case of being able to see what Grant Williams and Hershey Yankees offer a bit more. Had Grant Williams had a stellar game this weekend, he maybe would have, would have right gone up in the in the in the pecking order. But the fact that they've not been able to see him, he might not feature in that thirty-three man squad, and he might have just yeah. missed that, which is really unfortunate. Really unfortunate, man. Because yeah, like I said, I've really enjoyed watching him play this season, you know, and it's ah. Uh... Oh, man, but at the end of the day, you're going to get injuries like this. Sometimes it's it's fair play. Sometimes it's uh, whatever the hell that was on the weekend. But it, it just happens. You know, you always think back to Patrick Lambie and his unfortunate injury, you know, that ended his career. It's, uh, it's just just part of the game, unfortunately, that there, there are accidents that happen and, and things go wrong in that. So hopefully he, for his sake, that he's shown enough to get into that squad. But I mean... At the end of the day, whether they go with him or not, we've got a surplus of, of scrum arms that can easily do the job. Waiting in the wings. Mention it there. It was a frustrating watch for Springbok fans over the weekend. It just felt like we never got out of second gear. It just felt quite stop-start. Credit to the Pumas. They were very, very good in certain areas, but I think the box weren't so good in others. Discipline was the, the main thing that stood out, as we said. The only saving grace is that we're giving so many players minutes. Do you think we're chopping and changing a little bit too much? Because if you look at, I think in, inside and outside center are a prime example, although we've only chopped and changed there with kind of 12 being Dialendi and Esther Hazen and then 13 being Creel and, and um, we've not really given anybody else a, a run at 12. Do you think that there's there's maybe been a bit too much chopping and changing or do you think that's quite good at the moment? 
I think it's after that New Zealand game, I think it raised a lot of question marks. I think we had our guys, um, you know, set for, for the starting lineup. And after that New Zealand game, which we are going to be playing, unfortunately, you know, Ireland and then either New Zealand or France or, you know, like just top teams on that side of the, the um, knockout stages and that, you know, and I think I think we were very confident until after that game, you know. So right now we are giving a lot of guys minutes, which is great. Um, it's it's really good to see, you know, Joseph Dweber finally on the bench. He'll he'll get some minutes. I mean, Andre Este isn't for sure needing minutes in that. Damian uh, Willemser starting at fifteen, which is exactly what you were talking about. So it would be really nice. You know, especially after not a hugely convincing performances last weekend. If um, you know, this is his this is his time. You know, we're playing a good Argentina team away with not our top squad by by any means. Uh, obviously, we've got a good few top guys there, but for a guy like Damien Willemser, this is his chance to really secure himself and somewhat over overtake Vili Larue as that as that fifteen. You know especially when doing that 6-2 split, as you were um, discussing the, the other day. The interesting one is, you know, Damien Delindy had, I will say, he, he had a pretty decent game this last weekend. He definitely put his hand up a lot more this last weekend as opposed to New Zealand. So now it's just going to be interesting to see the the pairing between Andre Estehazen and uh, Lucanio An again. So I think it's uh, going to be quite interesting because Andre stays, and if he has a stellar performance again and he really performs well, I reckon he might might just nudge past Damian Delindy in that starting lineup. I think he should. Is is probably the main thing. If you're talking mm. form, because the the big thing is in some of the positions, it's very much form versus experience, but. Andre Estehism has got experience. He's played top flight rugby. He's been involved in the box setup for years, probably six, seven years, I'd say. So he definitely, definitely deserves to be in there. Speaking of Oaks that do play center, we're stoked to be joined by a man who currently plays for his childhood team is someone John Dobson thinks very highly of, Western Province and Stormers Centre, Cornell Smith. Cornell, how are you? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, awesome to be here. Now, first things first, I'm always kind of fascinated by nicknames, right? And <laughs> I believe your nickname ranges from Corpa to Corpa G to just Corp, potentially. Yeah. So where, yeah. where does that nickname come from? How did that start? Oh, if I'm honest with you, uh, probably started after school. When we when we left school, the Western Province Institute was still around, feeling a bit old. It's not around anymore. But yeah, we would go there for under 19 year, and yeah, I just got quite close with quite a few of the boys. And yeah, and I've I've, I've got quite a big forehead, so I think that's just where it started. That's <laughs> uh, bro. That's just typical. But boys <laughs> love to do that. Now, from from the outside, you you've mentioned that the Western Province Institute there. From the outside, it looks like you've had quite the journey so far, quite a fascinating journey. You started at Bishops, you went to Marty's, then the, the province set up, whether that's Stormers or Western Province. What's kind of the biggest challenge that you faced going through all of that? Is is there something that really stands out? For me, I think I've walked a traditional path, I'd say, for maybe a, a school kid in South Africa, you sort of go through the ranks, play on a 19 and a 21s. At that stage, um, Super Sport Challenge and, and all that stuff. So I've 
I've done I've done all of that stuff. But I think for me personally, probably my biggest challenge in those years, I used to I used to pick up quite a few injuries quite often, and I think that's that's what made my youth a bit more difficult to try sort of get more opportunities at the senior level. I was constantly injured when opportunities would come. So I think for me, my biggest challenge has just been sort of really, really, really taking my um, my rehab, my prehab, and, and just strengthening all of my previous week areas. And I, and I think it's paid off the last couple of years. I mean, I've been on the field pretty much every game I've had an opportunity to for now. So I think for me, becoming older, becoming more of a mature player, I think that's what I focus on a lot just trying to stay on the field. Gosha Yankee's always told me, he said the best ability is availability. So I, I, I live by that. That's good. I like that. Now, you, you've mentioned Herschel there, but you, you play centre, although you're, you're quite handy on the wing and you've, you've got a, a set of wheels on you. With that being the case, you obviously currently play with Dan Duplessis, Jean de Jong, um, Damien Willems are also slots in at 12. What have those boys taught you and what, what are kind of small nuggets of wisdom they've maybe passed on? We, we all learn from each other, if I'm honest. I, I think one thing that you can learn from Dan is just to be a hard bastard, if I'm honest. <laughs> Dan is an absolute hard bastard and he's and he's consistent as hell. So what you can learn from Dan is just being super, super consistent week in, week out. He's on the training pitch every week. He's performing on the weekends. From, from Juba, what you can learn, obviously, he's got a lot, a lot, a lot of experience. So... He'll always be the first one to try to give you tips and, and things he's learned over the years. So I, I love that as well. Damien, Damien's got a very, very, very wide uh, skill set range. So you know, you, you just try to pick up from what he what he can do. I mean, we try to, we don't always get it right, but we, we can try to learn from him as well. Um, yeah, all of the centers, you know, I've learned a lot from Ron as well defensively. Even uh, one of my close mates, Sash, um, he's, a, he's a lot younger than me, but he's also a fluff as well learn a lot of uh, the fluff traits at 12 as well. So for me, playing 12 and 13, I take a lot from from all of those boys. And obviously, like you mentioned, played a game or two on the wing as well um, when we have, a, we have a few injuries or a few struggles. So yeah, I'd like to think I have some wheels as well. So trying to be a, a more complete player. And you, you mentioned you learn from each other. What do you think those boys have learned from you? <laughs> just, how to, just how to make jokes, probably. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> You've done a bit of traveling this year, as as we discussed off air. You've been to Greece, you've been to, to the UK. Is there any other country that you're you'd really like to to play in or or any club team that really stands out? I think at a later stage in my career, I'd love to play somewhere overseas, um, whether it be France, the UK or Japan. I'd love to just experience a little bit of time overseas. For now, I'm very happy in Cape Town. I've currently got another season left in my contract, another year. So for now, just sort of focusing what I can do for the Stormers and for Western Province. And then, yeah, we don't know what the future will hold, but I'd love to play overseas while working and living overseas. And I think it's it's something that a lot of people should try experience. I think if rugby takes me there, then so be it. So I'll be happy to try that one day. Yeah, it's certainly something we've we've seen a lot of players doing it over the past kind of 10 years probably is, is probably the time frame, I'd say, most of the professional era. You've mentioned Stormers and Province there. You guys obviously had cracking first two seasons to, to URC. Are you expecting big changes from, from Dobbo and the coaching staff over the over the next year? Or do you think it's just building on, on what you guys have, have already done? I think for us, um, we've found a system that I think works really well. So we do we do keep changing, we do keep evolving. If you stay stagnant, I mean, you're not going to improve. So I think we've got a very good base that we 
that we take pretty much everything from. So like our game model is pretty, pretty standard, but little bits and bobs that we can change around. We definitely always try to learn from other teams and from each other. You know, a lot of the senior boys give a lot of input as well as to what moves, you know, we can try on the weekend or what game plans, etc. So I think our, our game model will pretty much stay the same, I think. But yeah, little bits and bobs will definitely change here or there. So yeah, that's, I think, I think we'll keep, keep the game model. <laughs> Being Stormers supporters, I think myself and Stegs are stoked by that news because we like yeah. watching exciting rugby. So that's that's always good to hear. One of the brains, I'd say, one of the many brains, because you've you've got a really really good coaching group that heads up the Stormers at the moment. But one of the many brains is, is obviously John Dobson. What's he like as a coach? And is he as nervous at training as he is in the coach's box? Because some of the images that we get to see, he's either really angry, really nervous, or can't watch. Dobbo, Dobbo does his bit in the meeting rooms. Um, we've heard our, our fair share of, you know, history lessons and, you know, motivating speeches and talking about game plan. But I must say one thing Dobbo's really, really good at is he makes the coaching staff a team as well. So everyone has their departments and then they focus on those departments. So I think he's an amazing uh, people manager and he's not, how can I say, he's not arrogant to think he knows everything about the game. He'll let Normie coaches D, he'll let Darby coaches attack. He'll let Rita run the forwards, you know. Yeah, all of the coaches. He'll he'll give them all of their rights to do whatever they need to do. And they're they're a very, very good coaching team. I'm I'm very impressed with how they go about things and I love the way they go about things. And uh yeah, Dobbo at training, he doesn't say much during the training session. Um, he refs one or two small sided games here or there, and then it's always quite funny, he likes to bring the banter. But yeah, he 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 very much involves other coaches. He he's not, how can I say, you're arrogant to think that he knows everything. It's interesting you yeah, say that because you've got the likes of Scott Robertson, who coached the Crusaders, set to be the All Blacks coach next year. And that's one of the things I think a lot of people have said about him is the fact that he brings in the people that he knows what his weaknesses are and he brings in people who can strengthen that. The likes of um, Ronan O'Gara, who's now with La Rochelle, he obviously yeah. went into the Crusaders and, and was really, really good. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that you mentioned that. No, I was yeah. just saying, yeah, I think... Um... I think good coaches probably have a few similar traits um, and I think that's probably one of them. I mean, no one can know everything. So I think it's a good trait to have as a coach to be able to step back and let someone else, you know, coach their coaching role as well. Yeah, I think exactly as um, Scott and, uh, Scott has said, we're absolute staunch uh, Stormers fans. We've been told we should change the podcast name to Stormer Pod, but uh, for <laughs> now it's the Saffa Pod. But um, obviously we, we praise, yeah, we, we, we praise Dobbo all the time. And I think um, exactly as we sort of somewhat seeing in the Springboks, I mean, not not so much the last performance, but maybe the first performance, just the way that the backline was able to shine and really show their skills and have a bit of that uh, creative freedom when it comes to the game of rugby. I'm, I'm not too sure in the sense of your previous coaches, but maybe there's been some coaches you've had that have really focused on that traditional South African rugby of, you know, forward ball, forward ball, forward ball, and then maybe the backline get an opportunity. Obviously, this is completely new to South African rugby, the way Dobbo has just let the backline express themselves. How do you feel as a backline player, sort of having that freedom of movement? That's amazing. I must say it's it's quality. We obviously we obviously encourage to play where the space is. So it's an interesting uh, statistic that probably most people won't know. But I think in the last two URCs, I think we're the team that's kicked the most out of everyone. But it's quite a surprising stat, I think, because you just see all the flair tries and, you know, Zas going and scoring and Marnie kicking cross kicks and, you know, 
all the wings just finishing and the sensors making line breaks. But our game model is based on essentially banging the door down first. So our forwards, we bring our forwards into the game a lot. And then wherever there's space, so our, um, our ideology is that if there's kick space, then we take it, right? And if they've got people there to cover the kick space, then they should be run space, right? So that's just how we play the game. So that you can't cover everything. That's that's pretty much our game model and that's what we play by. And yeah, if, if you want to leave everyone back for kick space, then we'll run the ball. And uh, I think we're pretty good at it. <laughs> I can see the envy in Keegan's eyes. So Keegs and I played rugby <laughs> together in, in high school and I was a forward and he was a back and I had hands <laughs> like feet and feet like hands at times so he wasn't getting any ball and if the ball came my way it was definitely getting knocked on yeah i was i think i was envious at the fact that i just didn't have flair full stop mate that was the problem it wasn't the fact that i wasn't getting the ball <laughs> uh... now talking about the stormers cornell you guys have been placed in what many has kind of aptly named the pool of death in, in the champions cup so yeah. just looking at there you've got to face la rochelle who are obviously current champions the sail sharks the leicester tigers and then Stade of france either home or away what is your thoughts on 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 that pool and, and how are you feeling about it i mean the group chat went a bit wild when the when the, when the pool came out i said boys we're in for a tough one and i definitely think we're in for a tough one but I mean, the pool's tough for everyone in the pool, so I suppose they've got to go through us as well, and that's the mentality that we've got, I think. And we've done really well over the last two seasons. We have no, um, we have no reason to not back ourselves. So of course, it's a difficult pool, yes. But yeah, we'll just give it everything, and yeah, I think we'll we'll discuss that when the preseason starts next week. But yeah, we haven't we haven't actually linked up since then. So I'm sure the the guys that are all with each other at the Springmore Cap have spoken about it a little bit. But um, until the preseason starts next week, I think that's when we'll probably tackle it. <laughs> Yeah, bro, absolutely. I mean, just just thinking about that's obviously quite a, a big tournament, but thinking about a tournament's coming, you mentioned the box there. If you could pick one team who's not the box to put your money on for the World Cup, say the box is just not there. I know it's difficult to do. Who 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 um, are you backing? It's tough. I'm gonna go I'm gonna give you two answers. And I don't know everyone always says Ireland chokes, but I think it's going to be between Ireland and France if we don't if we don't show up. I, I I also want to maybe say the All Blacks. I'm in a bit of two minds, but if I had to choose one between Ireland and France, I'll maybe go France because it's a home World Cup. I mean, they're doing things right. They've won under twenties as well. Top fourteen's looking pretty strong. Yeah, I just think home home World Cup. If the other teams aren't performing, I think they might just take it at home. Egan's so happy you've just said that. He's. <laughs> I'm actually convinced that he says his blood runs green, but it's because of Ireland. It's not because of the box. Mate, mate, mate. It's always the box. The box are number one. But if there's a number two, it's Ireland, mate. And But I think exactly like you say, it's, it's I mean, France, this is, and Ireland, to be honest, it's probably their best time to go at it for, for a World Cup. But I mean, look, yeah, if the Springboks don't win, and say Ireland don't win. I mean, I would I would put money on France. I mean, rather them than than the All Blacks. I mean, it's just such a fairy tale moment, you know, like losing yeah. four shorts in 2007 and then coming now after everything they've built up in in rugby. It, it would truly be a fairy tale moment. And who doesn't love a bit of fairy tale in sports, you know? Exactly. Agree 100%. I think that 
the box are going to win, and that's going to be that. I don't want to entertain. Yeah, that's still a fairy tale, mate. I don't, fairy tale, I don't want to entertain the, the thought of uh, anybody else winning. That is, that is the best fairy tale of them all. <laughs> I keep my girlfriend keeps going. Oh well, you guys won the last one, and I'm like, yeah, but I want to win the next one too. Like, yeah, I want to win every single dream. one, don't we? Yeah, hundred percent. Now there's going to be a bit of a crossover between obviously the URC and, and the World Cup, so you'll be potentially out without the likes of Marnie Lubbock, Joseph Dweber, Damien Willemsit, to name a few. Looking towards the season's URC, which SA team do you think is maybe going to show up a little bit more than people are expecting if you were to to kind of put aside the Stormers? To be honest, I think, I think all three teams will come out firing bats. I think the one team that's probably made quite a statement with their signings in the offseason is probably the Bulls. They've been signing a lot, a lot, a lot of guys. Um, yeah, I think they're coming with vengeance. I think the competition in their squad is going to be pretty strong. And I think they have a point to prove as well. I mean, they were the top team in, in South Africa throughout lockdown, all the way through to the Rainbow Cup until they went over to Benetton and obviously also played in the URC final as well. So I think they've got a chip on their shoulder. Obviously, luckily for us, we've we've nipped them in a few games in a row, quite a few games in a row. Um, so they'll definitely be looking to come specifically fast, but probably for everyone as well. So yeah. And what do you think about the balance of that new Bulls potential back three? Obviously, there's no guarantee that they'll play together in that you've got Kurtley Arnser, Kane and Moody, and then you've also got Vili LaRue, who's just signed at 15. Do you think do you think that'll be a massive threat to, to the rest of the teams? Look, they are they're a springbok back three, so I think they, they will definitely be a massive threat, I think, with those three guys together. I mean, they've still got guys on top of that sitting sitting technically we'll say below them, but yeah, that's a that's a frightening back three. I think we'll need to prepare well for them. Yeah, absolutely. And this is always a, a question that we kind of mostly ask sensors and, and locks, but it's because I think when you're playing in the center, you build quite a partnership when you're you're playing 12 and 13, and it's the exact same thing when you're playing four and five. Who do you think has had the best sense of partnership that you can think of, probably in the professional era, or who stands out to you as, as the best sense of partnership? So being a South African boy, I, I loved Jean de Villiers and Jacques Ferry together. I absolutely loved them. But I'm going to have to put my heart aside and... I think Marnonu and Conrad Smith probably the best center combo to ever live. Yeah, they just they just did something right. Um, yeah, they're amazing. I think Marnonu is heavily underrated in my opinion, and so is Conrad Smith. So together, those two are unstoppable. Um, yeah, I'd have to say they they probably have to come number one. Yeah, and then the other question I had leading on from that, and I'm going to be putting you on the spot slightly. Yeah, <laughs> in your fine. opinion, you're you're starting. <laughs> you've got a World Cup final tomorrow. Do you start Damien Dialendi and Lukanyam at twelve and thirteen, or do you go with Andre the Giant at twelve and then Lukanyam at thirteen? Because we know Lukanyam, if he's fit, will probably start at thirteen for yeah. World Cup time. It's a tough, it's a tough, tough, tough uh, question to answer. I don't want to step on anyone's toes here, but yeah, I'm from Altbos. Uh Damien's from Wilmington. I'm gonna have to go for the West Coast, the West Coast boy there. Yeah, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Um, well, as you know, Tavian and Mullinson don't go well together, but actually, um, I do. I do quite like Damien Dalendi, but I've been, I must say, I've been quite impressed by the uh, evolution in 
Andreas Stazen's game, as you you were talking about earlier. You learning from Sasha in terms of that those ten attributes, his his kick and his pass have certainly come on leaps and bounds since playing with Quinns. I think Estehazen cheapers, he's he's really impressed me a lot. Um his performances in the Prem have been nothing short of amazing. He's he's basically man of the match every week and even that game he played at the start of this rugby championship, it was amazing. Yeah, it's I think it's a good it's a good um issue to have as a Springboard coach, not knowing who to choose. So I'm lucky I'm not making that decision. But yeah, I'm, I'd be happy with either of them playing. I have a lot of respect for Andre. I've, I'm yet to play against him actually um, since he's moved. But uh, yeah, <laughs> better that way probably. <laughs> well, hopefully we'll, we, we'll be talking about you and that and that conversation kind of a couple of years to come. But now we've obviously spoken about you taking the traditional route through South African rugby, your standard kind of schools, academies, and, and, and into professional setups. Looking back at that, what would your advice be to, to young kids in South Africa who are thinking about becoming professional athletes? Or is there any advice or anything you would have changed about the way that you approach things? I think it's tough as a youngster. Um, you're not you you're not a professional well, you are, but you're getting paid to do what you love as a very young player. So it's hard to learn those professional habits. But if I could have changed one thing about myself, probably as a youngster, I probably would have just been more professional earlier. I think I always thought that I needed to just work, 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 you know, just train, never rest, you know, never like I just wanted to gym. I wanted to do fitness. I wanted to do speed training. I wanted to kick the whole time. I just wanted to, you know, mama mentality. And then I just found out that that's not for everyone. And my body couldn't take just going 110% all the time. And on top of that, I was studying as well. So I think I was just trying to burn the candle on both ends. So I'd say for youngsters, the advice that I'd give is, I'm not, let me just get this here. I'm not saying be lazy, but I'd say just look after your body really well, because I think it'll put you in good stead as um, as you get older. And you know, I think probably one of the best decisions I ever made was following through and finishing um, my studies as well. So yeah, I don't think you can go wrong being a rugby player and being able to fall back on a degree. It's quite interesting because we had Nadine Russ on last week, who is obviously Springbok Player of the Year last year, and she said the exact same thing in terms of recovery, making sure you're looking after your body. And yeah. as I said to her, I wish somebody had given me that advice when when I was um, playing rugby and, and just general sports because I am made of glass, so I get injured every every two to two to five working minutes. Now, Cornell, just to, to kind of end things off, we like to end with a bit of a quick fire round. No, that's all right. Let's go for it. Who is the best player you've played with or against? My mind changes on this quite often. One that I played against, so last year was quite... Uh, okay, so I'll pick two that I've played against and... I know I'm I'm quite a bit younger than them, but growing up watching them was probably it was it was amazing. Uh, my two centers that I loved watching growing up as a twelve, I loved Franz Stein, loved 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 him, and I played against him a couple of times. Now he's giving me a few bumps and bruises. Yeah, no, it was amazing playing against him. I think I played against him about five or six times now, and yeah, he comes at my channel. So that was that was pretty that was pretty cool. And I mean, obviously he's a, he's a Springbok legend. He's recently retired and. A strange, a strange one that maybe most South African guys um, wouldn't say, but I really loved watching Jonathan Davies growing up. Uh, wow, he's he's I think a three times British and Irish line, three different tours, and did mad, mad, mad moves for Wales in over a decade. So it was awesome playing against him last year and copped a photo with him afterwards. So that was pretty cool. And then in my team, geez, I think 
Stephen Kutsov, just an amazing leader. And you know, he, he does his job incredibly well. I, just, I have to give it to Kutsi probably. I really like that balance. Two, two centers and a, a front row. That's that's class. And uh, talking about Kitsi now, when we had Dion Faria on, he, he answered Kitsi as, as the song, so she might do the same. But who's the best value or the loosest guy on a night out? I suppose Kitsi's up there. I suppose Kitsi's up there, but I'm going to have to go with either Cade Voliter or Yvonne Ruff. I'm gonna nice. have to go with those the young things. the young guns coming through. Yeah. Uh and then have you got any pre-match rituals? Are you superstitious at all? Yeah, I am to an extent, I'd say. Uh so the last thing I do before I leave the house, I leave my shower as the last thing I do before I leave the house. Yeah, and then I and I pack, I have to pack all of my clothes the night before. So um I'll clean my boots the night before every single game, make sure my gum got packed in, my tights. And I actually play with those grip socks. So I make sure those are clean, put those in. Uncle Trippy gets angry at us for cutting them. So I just cut one pair and then get them stitched up so that they don't sort of like brittle away. So I just make sure all that stuff's ready. And then, um, yeah, every day, uh, not every day, every game day, um, I do actually like 15 to 20 minutes of yoga. <laughs> That's like, I'm very, very, very superstitious about that. It just makes me feel loose. And I'll probably make sure my hammies get rubbed out by the massage therapist. And then, yeah, I always put my boots on last in the changing room as well. Like after, after I do everything, try to keep my headphones on for as long as possible. And then, yeah, I always go out with the kickers, even if I'm not kicking. So those are probably my superstitions. That's that's interesting because you're not the only professional player to say that they put boots on last. I can't remember who it was. It was somebody who played with Skulkberger said he did the exact... It was Dion Free actually. Think about it. He always said that Skulkberger used to put his boots on last and if it was good enough for Skulkberger, it was good enough for him. Um, yeah. So that's quite good. And to, to, talking about your, your headphones, go-to music when it comes to pre-match. Wh- <laughs> where, where does your mind immediately go to? I'm a very, very big fan of rap music at the moment. Um, I've actually got a pretty diverse um, taste in music. Yeah, but at the moment... I like I like some pretty some pretty gangster some pretty gangster things. So that's probably what my mind goes to before before games, and and that's probably what hypes me up the most. Yeah. And then finally, best game of your career. Now, important to to, to caveat this because we've asked loads of rugby players this, and a lot of them have said like high school games. So it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be part of your professional career. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm also gonna. I think the first game that comes to mind is probably. Craven Week final 2015, um, Stellenbosch home ground. <laughs> and we played EP in the final. Um, there's actually a lot of Springboks that played in that game. Yeah, we won 95 0. So that was probably my. It was very unexpected. But yeah, winning the Craven Week final 95 0, yeah, was probably my, personally one of the best games I've played. Um, just had so much fun and we're just running right. <laughs> I would not have liked to play for EP that day. <laughs> that, that would be horrible and humbling at the same time now Cornell man it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you bud and myself and Steegs can't wait to see you on the field again this year hopefully we'll we'll see you in the Stormers colours a little bit more which which would be grand yeah. but um, best of luck and, and we'll be cheering you on especially during the pool of death thanks so much guys such an honour to be here and uh, really nice to meet you guys Steegs Cornell Smith what a nice bloke such a, a genuine and down to earth guy and with centers slowly but surely starting to age, although as we said last year, the likes of Lacanyan, Jesse Creel will be around for a while. He might have a shot at inside center in the green and gold. 
in a few years time what were your thoughts on that interview yeah i think it was really really awesome i mean as you say really down to down to earth guy it uh must be that sort of Bloberg Malkos uh, air, you know what I mean? Just doing something something good for people this side of the world. But no, it was really awesome to interview him and, and get to have a chat and yeah, just get to know him a, a whole lot better. Yeah, that's the air. That's the air does breed some special people, doesn't it? Now, you touched on it just before that interview. Springbok team's been announced to face the Pumas in a rematch. But some might actually say the Pumas might be slim favorite sport it's probably a bit 50 50 at this point the main reason i say that is the names that we're missing and, and going through that list peter steph de toy eben etzebeth who is back to his, his, his blistering form sia khaleesi who's obviously injured france malherba malcolm marks oxen che quacha smith rg snayman mark van staden Dwayne vermeulen damian dialendi fafta clark cheson colby Vili larue andre pollard another injury and grant williams another injury that's almost a full team that would that would would do do the business what what are your thoughts on on that whole split squad idea because obviously we've got Jacques Ninabad over in Argentina and we've got Rossi with with that group at home I am almost hoping that we get drilled by Argentina because what a spanner in the works this will be if this team goes to Argentina and hammers them after last week's performance. Oh, mate, I'd love it. I'd absolutely love it. That would be... I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Because then it's because then like, who the hell do you start, mate? Like, like we've got these first three you players. Start, you start the boys who are on form. I'm very much yes, an on-form like selection oh, guy. What's your, what's, what was your opinion of Dwayne Vermeulen's uh, performances last weekend? He was good, actually. He I was, think he was brilliant. Class. Him and Evan Etzebeth. Dwayne, Dwayne should start. Hey. I I really like Jasper Visa. I'm a big fan of Evan Russ. I know, because you were you were you were very much hyping Jasper Visa to start. And Bro, I said he was I, I just said if Dwayne wants if this is gonna be his last tournament and last time with the spring box, he's gonna fight for that jersey. Bro, and Dwayne Dwayne from Ireland with a chip on his shoulder it. is a scary oh. man. Mate. He's, he's looking good. Him and Marco from starting have just kind of given me the finger this for the last kind of oh, game. Proper, mate. Proper. You gotta be um, careful who you're speaking against. <laughs> mate, you know what? I'm just going to start shitting all over the entire Everyone. team. Rip them a new one, bro. Yeah. Rip them a new one. You know what you need to do? You need to go on Twitter or Instagram and you need to threaten these players. I'm just going to start doing what every, every wannabe influencer does. And start doing Instagram lives, just and start hating on the team. Them. Yeah, just sliding <laughs> off the whole team. Oh. Now, oh in that God. team, one of the interesting talking points is that Bongi and Bonumbi is leading the box, which is great. But do you think that's a bit controversial, given the fact that Lukanya Am's in the lineup? Given Bongi will probably only play forty to fifty minutes. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm. I'm would have been a nice. Um... A nice, a nice little opportunity there for him. Um, but again, we'll, we'll, we'll sort of see, you know, because I mean, you know, gen- generally it has sort of been the the forwards that have been leading the charge and that, you know, for you know, usually, you know, you obviously had uh, Jean de Villiers as captain for quite a while and that, you know. But I think, I think, look, on your arm, because how how old is Sir Khaleesi at the moment? Sia Khaleesi is oh he must be early 30s, man. Because he's obviously off to off to France, which you don't do. Yeah, he's 32. 
he's still young, right? He's, so he's still fairly young. I, yeah. I what I think is quite interesting is Lukanya Um is the Sharks captain. Yeah. And he's Bongi Umanami's captain, but he's now Bongi's now the captain at the box. It's quite weird. And I think that the box coaches have said they like a forward to be captain because they're close to the set pieces. They're at the lineup, yeah. they're at the scrum, they're at the breakdown. So it's easier for them to get up and have a word with the ref mid-game, whereas maybe a, a backline player can't do that. Yeah. No, no, exactly. I think I think that's probably a, a good point as to why they they haven't gone for it. But I mean, you you best believe Lukanya Arms co-captain, and he'll he'll have a huge influence. I mean, he always does. Um, you know, in the game and as a leader as well. You know, being only twenty-nine years old. In case you guys missed last week's episode when we found that out. But um, no, he's he's just absolutely brilliant. He's a brilliant rugby mind, and I mean, you know, he he doesn't have to wear the captain's armband for for him to be a, a fan favorite and that. You know, so it is what it is. Obviously, they have their reasons for it, but regardless, he's an absolute leader and a tremendous athlete. Talking about Bongi and Benambi, I think it's really interesting that they've started him and not Joseph Dweber. I thought they might have gone with Dweber just to 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 give him a, a proper maybe. 50, 55, possibly 60-minute run. So really interesting article, and shout-out to SA Rugby Mag for this. Malcolm Marks has played, has had 61 caps. Bongi Mbunami has had 66. Joseph Dweber has had five, and Dion Free has had six. The reason we put Dion Free in there is because he's the fourth-choice hooker, which is nuts, <laughs> having not played hooker since he played for Leon way back when. Malcolm Marks had 31 starts. Bongiomba Numbi's had 29. Joseph Dwebber's had four. Out of minutes played, Malcolm Marks has played 3,157 minutes. Bongiomba Numbi's played 1,777 minutes. That Joseph, Joseph Dweber being the closest, the closest hooker to them has played 158 minutes of Test Rugby. Do we that's, think... That's- the box of sh- the box coaches might have shot themselves in the foot because Bongi tears an ACL, God forbid. Marks picks up a knock. It's Dweber and Free at two and sixteen. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, but again, you know, it's this this whole tournament set up in that you know when when you think about it, you know, Super Rugby, you're playing. Not in, not even like most of the Argentina side, because most of the sides playing in bloody Europe and that, you know. But it's like you you're generally only playing pretty much New Zealand and Australia players, you know, when you're playing in the Super Rugby. Whereas you you know you're playing these other tournaments. Joseph Dweber, obviously, where the Storm is getting into the Heineken Cup. Now you're playing, you know, French teams. You're playing English teams. You're playing Irish teams, Scottish teams. You're playing a whole plethora of teams. So he's he somewhat does have that experience against you know, these, these hardened, uh, warriors of the North, but, um, obviously, yeah, that, that, that test match rugby is just different rugby, man. Like every, you know, from like high school to club rugby, it's a massive jump. And then, you know, I can't even imagine the club rugby to professional rugby. And then after that, it's bloody test match rugby. And that's the best rugby you can play. So I think they, they really should have, I mean, he only really came onto the scene last year, had a bit of a, a dismal performance from the lineouts, but we forgive him for that. Um, at, at the end of the day, though, I think they probably could have, I mean, like last week, they definitely could have had him on the bench, to be fair. 
it wasn't a, a do or die game to win the tournament or anything like that. We we could have played him, but again, it's it's one extra game. You know, he hasn't been in the setup for that long, so quite quite interesting. Quite interesting the the, the difference between Marks and and Bongi. Yeah, I thought that was that was wild. That's interesting. Obviously, it's obviously those like 50, 60 minutes that Marks plays, you know, all the yeah. time. And and the other thing is pre Jacques Nienaber and Rossi Erasmus. Malcolm Marks had played quite a few caps and, and usually you had Malcolm Marks starting and Bogey yeah. maybe playing 15-20 at most. I think the bot coaches maybe missed the chance to do something that, that's quite interesting and play the spine of the the Stormer squad. Now, when we talk about the spine in, in, in rugby, we're talking about the 2, the 8, the 9, the 10, and the 15. So you'll hook your 8 men, your scrum half, your fly half, and your, your 15. Could have been quite nice to see. We've got the Willemsa Lubbock access that I really wanted to see. But I think what would it could have been quite nice would have been Dweber, Bruce, Hershey Yankees, then having Lubbock at 10, and then having Willemsa at 15. Just because well, those be players fair, know each other. We're more than likely going to see that, mate, because the two will definitely be changed. Um, you'll have Joseph Dweber on. Possibly Visa. I mean, I'm look yeah, I'm sure they're gonna want to give Evan Rust uh, a, a bit of game time in that, you know. Um, although at the same time, Visa's he's playing for that spot, you know what I mean? So yeah. but again, it's it's probably that that you know who they're gonna go after because I in my mind, no doubt, Dwayne Vermeulen's starting. He's going to the World Cup. Yeah, easy. The the experience and the level that he's been playing at is just unreal. Like especially if Khaleesi is not fit. No Khaleesi, yeah. Dwayne starts and he takes the captain's on bad. 100%. He's a brilliant captain. So you'll you'll more than likely see them throw in Evan Rus. Um Marnie's not going anywhere. He'll he'll stay in there. And then you have, yeah, scrum off will change. So you might you might just get that little spine there, Scotty. Mate, if I get to see it, I'd be stoked. Now, the one thing I would say though, having a look at that, Jean-Luc Dupre been in scintillating form for the Sail Sharks. For the last three, four years, it's been standout. I listened to a, a pod, podcast that's got one of the players from the Bristol Bears, and he calls Jean Luc Dupre and Dan Dupre just like Norse gods. Like he says, you just see them, uh, it's just like blonde menaces on the field who are just tearing shit apart for shits and giggles, which I quite enjoy watching, especially as a neutral fan, just watching South Africans tear other players to pieces is always quite good fun. Do we think Jean-Luc Dupré has been hard done by? He's getting one shot off the bench out of four games, and he offers the versatility to play at lock and at blindside. And then the other other person I think maybe has been slightly hard done by, Yevon Rus. How many minutes has he played? And he's only really come off the bench. Yes, Bavisa had his shot. Do we start Yevon Rus and, and give give them 50 and 30? Yeah, it's it's interesting because it's so tough, man, because we have some positions that, you know, we don't have that much depth and these guys are playing in that. But there are other positions where there are, there are just so many players that could take that opportunity. And I think, you know, they, they are sort of doing a good thing now with getting getting certain players minutes that you know you know they, they they talk about a the the you know knowing what these guys can do and stuff so they they're getting them their minutes just to get them prepared because 
they're more than likely going. I mean, obviously, Marnie Libox definitely going, you know, otherwise they wouldn't be getting him going, getting him going and give, giving him all these starts and stuff like that, you know, if they weren't confident that he was going to be their number two guy. But now they're just trying to get him minutes. Then you have some guys that, you know, the chances are they're not going to go, but we need to get these more than likely second choice guys in. And yeah, it's it's a bit shitty, but at the end of the day, like we just said, I think when when we were were talking about it, is the World Cup's in just just over a month. You know what I mean? Like we can't be giving everyone a chance. You know what I mean? You, you, they sort of have to have their more than likely second choice guys so they can give them minutes, so they can get them ready. But at the same time, it's sad. It's sad because these players are performing extremely well. It would have been really nice to see Jean-Luc Dupre. They, I mean, he's been around the setup for for quite some time now, you know. So it's um, yeah, it's it's, it's a bit unfortunate, but at the end of the day, there's just so much depth, and I would honestly hate to be a bot coach right now. Talking about hating being a bot coach, one place that we've got unbelievable depth is the back three. I'm quite conscious that this has been quite a forward forwards heavy chat. Looking at it, you've got Kurtley Aronsa, Cheslin Colby, Billy LaRue, Makazola Mapimpi, Damien Willemsa, Kanan Moody, Jesse Creel, who they're definitely gonna take because he covers both 13 and outside outside backs. Don't get me started on that. So that's seven options. That's not including Monty Lubbock, who could slot in at 15 if you really wanted to. And then also Andre Pollard, who could drop into 15 if, if there was crisis. Who's missing out, mate? Who are they I definitely hate, not taking? I hate this, man. I hate this. It's so flipping tough, mate. It's so tough because I think right now, I mean, Colby, he, he, he's got his spot. Yeah. He's bloody brilliant. He is absolutely phenomenal the best wing we have without a doubt but then you have my pimpy who's you know he has shown what he can do he's shown what he, he can do but he's not on form Kurt, Kurtley orange is just a try scoring machine yes my pimpy brings that little bit of size and that that um aggression usually on the wing and he's just lightning fast and he you know he finishes really really well he always manages to find himself in those positions but Bloody hell, Aronson's, yeah, look here, he might not find himself in those positions, but even that try that he almost scored, he doesn't need to find himself in positions. He just somehow gets through like Colby would do, you know? So to have those two, I I honestly reckon they would be my my, my two first choice first choice starters. I mean, it, it is nice, you know, especially when you see New Zealand, um, you know, having big wings and a lot of um, the, the, the countries having big wingers. I mean, I'm I'm fine with it, man. We we have Damian Willemsen going on the outside covering those wings. He's got a bit of size on him. I think we just, you know, I, I love Billy Larue, but let's like get old Gazza in there. I wouldn't mind that at 15. To be honest, I I really do. As much as you know, they've really been playing Billy, and they 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 he's probably their guy. I would really enjoy to see um you know Damian Willemsen there, and then obviously. After that, man, I don't, I don't, I, don't I, know, I, I can't see them taking Kane and Moody. No, no, I, no, no. I, I can't see that happening, right? No, it's it, it's unlikely. I can see them taking Kurtley Orenser, yeah, and I can see them taking Mapimpi and Cheslin and Villy Larue. Those are the four that I'd say are, are, are in there. Damien Billumsa will definitely go. 
they've named him as a fly half, but I think he does better at 15. My starting back line were the box to play at Rugby World Cup final tomorrow with the players that we've got would be, this might be slightly controversial, Quibus Reinach. I'd have Marnie Lobok at 10. I'd have Andre Estehazen at 12. I'd then have Lukanya Um at 13. I'd have Kurt Lioranta and Chosen Colby at 11 and 14. You could interchange them if you wanted to. And then I'd have Damien Willemster at 15. That is a vastly different team to the one that played the 2019 World Cup final. And I'm actually happy I, about it. I, I honestly, honestly, as soon as you said controversial and you said Corvus Reiner, I, I have no problem in that, to be honest. I love Buff. He's flipping. We all love Buff, you know, the long hair. Bloody the long hair yeah, and the springbok. He just doesn't give a shit. He is... He's a he's a crowd favorite, but at the end of the day, Kubus Reinach is solid, man. And 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 he hasn't necessarily shone. And my mate and I were even talking about it, like with Sio Khaleesi. Obviously, he'll have his shining moments in that, but he, he he's not a you know in the conversation of world player of the year sort of thing. But he's just consistent. He does his yeah. job week in and week out. And honestly, I really think the same of Kubus um, Kubus Reinach. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, between him and Faf de Klaak, on their best day, Faf de Klaak takes it. Yeah. I reckon. But, but in current form, average, on average and current form, I think Corbus Reinach is a safer start. And the other thing is, oh my wheels, because he's he's so rapid. Dude, he is, bro. Like literally since since I can remember watching him play, man, he always has these, you know, these um support lines that he runs and he just gets through and you just can't catch it. He's a brilliant finish. And there's one thing that, like, you know, Buff doesn't really have a whole lot of, you know, you don't really see him as much. I reckon I've, I've, I could probably remember more Kubus Reinach tries than um, Fuff de Klaak tries. Well, you I know, can I remember thought, how many was it? Was it four against Canada in the World Cup last year? Fastest hat trick in World Cup history? Can't even remember. But um, yeah. Yeah. Crazy man, it's crazy. But no, I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that lineup at all. I think Dialindi, uh, d- depending on how Andre stays and plays, but I think if he plays well this weekend, I think, I think he gets that twelve jersey, man. I really do. I like. I, I'm a big Andre Estesen fan, and I think if you're going to play somebody like Moni Lubok at ten, you need a really big inside center, yeah, who can carry the ball. But also, you need a bit of a kicking option, and we've not really seen that much kicking from Damien Dialendi. And yeah. I think Andre Estehazen's boot, because he's got a big boot. A lot of people don't realize that Andre Estehazen kicks 50-22s in the English Premiership. Mental. A lot of inside centers can't do that. And that rivals somebody like a Geordie Barrett, who plays for New Zealand and can kick from hand and, and do it really, really well. So be interesting to see what happens this weekend but also be interesting to see when we sit down and talk again we'll know what that 33 man squad looks like and and who's going and who's not going and somebody like a Gerard Steenkamp he's he's been named in the the squad after the the injury that we've had recently so you, you kind of look at that and go well given that's the the the, the case I mean, we've we've got a pretty good prop option, but he's not had that many minutes. So I think the the forwards are pretty settled. It's really the back line where we've maybe got a couple of question marks. Yeah, 100%, man, 
looking to this weekend, 2.0 from last weekend. See if our predictions have changed any. Australia and New Zealand. And we didn't really talk about Australia and New Zealand game, but fuck me, the All Blacks look good. I know. They, you know what? They are scary, man. And they are back. They are back. It's and just whether or not they, they back enough to beat the favorites, the two favorites for the World Cup. We'll see. But they are dangerous at the moment. I think the All Blacks on current form beat Ireland. And I think they'll also beat France, genuinely. I think you're going to get a very hateful message from me on Instagram. That's okay. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I can take the heat. No, me no, and no, my dude. me and my thousand and thirteen followers can take the heat. That's fine. <laughs> no, honestly, like like we I actually had that conversation as well, you know, like New, New Zealand, the form they're going against Ireland. I think the the only thing that sort of, you know, if if it's Ireland another series in New Zealand, I, I think New Zealand takes it with the current form they have. But because it's in France, because it's in Europe, I think Ireland have a lot better of a chance than than we think, especially if they do remain on their form, is just have, again, have they peaked too soon. And that's why... Johnny Sexton banned until the World Cup, right? That's my guy. <laughs> He's banned until the World Cup. So he comes on, he, he'll probably play the game against Scotland, which I think is... No, so they open against... Maybe Romania or Tonga. Something and then like I think they, they play us. I think on the 17th. They play us the, the week later. And then they play Scotland the week after that. So we've got Scotland, then Ireland, and then we've got slightly easier fixtures. Yeah. Well, we shouldn't call them easier. Um, I reckon that you might, I think you might see Ireland. I think we'll beat Ireland. I wouldn't be surprised if Scotland beat Ireland, which would be great. Can you imagine if Ireland don't make it out of the pool? Listen, yeah, watch your mouth, buddy. <laughs> My God. I'm back to Springboks beating Ireland. I'd easy. fucking love that. Does, your, does, your, so does, does uh, your Scottish uh, Betty have a bloody knife uh, pointed at you or something as you're saying this? Nah, I love the Scots, mate. They're great. Nah, they, they are great. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think they, mate, Scotland look good. I don't think they look that good, but they do look good. But <laughs> I, think, I think Ireland out in the quarters again. I'd love to see it. I would love to see it after the amount of Irish, like just like social media is awash with Irish fans just talking such a big game. I know it's ah man, but that's why in Russi we trust because yeah. we are going in as heavy underdogs at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but pulling it back, fixtures for this weekend: All Blacks absolutely destroying the, the Aussies last weekend. That was a way. That was at the MCG in, in Australia. I said Australia by two. That came back to bite me in the ass. What do you think happens this weekend? It's either close or it's a blowout. <laughs> right, but how close and how much are we saying is a blowout? No, look at look at look at I think yes, like Eddie Jones has been so he's not one one game okay and yes, i think like i think i might be i might be right in saying that the aussies so they play the all blacks this weekend so they're they're all blacks away and then they're only world cup warm-up game they've got one world cup warm-up game guess who it's against and where 
England. Oh, France and France. It's France and France. <laughs> Dude, they are fucked. <laughs> Man, they're so fucked, mate. <laughs> mate, I like. I, yeah, I mean, you love to see it. Don't get me wrong. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to our Aussie fans out there, but it's, it's just how it goes, man. You, you guys are absolute legends. You're legends as people, but we just don't like your rugby team. But I quite <laughs> like the Wallabies. Michael Hooper is one of my favorite players of all time. Who? Michael Hooper. Yeah, my, my, Michael Hooper's good. But... Fucking class. Quaid Cooper, class. Mate, you are a broken South African. That's what you are. I am a broken South African. There's I'm, rules. There's that's much because of the long day I've had today. There's traditional I, I, rules I, I, and values. I hate the English rugby team. I hate the English rugby team. There we go. Team. You're halfway there. So that's fine. <laughs> I don't hate the Wallabies. I just don't. I don't hate them, but also don't love them. I'm, I'm quite. No, I very much dislike them. Um, I really dislike the the Irish team. I don't know why. You so, see, now that's a problem. Why why would you hate a bunch of drunks? <laughs> I love the Scots. They're a bunch of drunks. <laughs> oh my gosh. But anyways, I think I think it's either she's just very hopeful, but I, I kind of think I, I kind of think Oz Oz pulls back a little bit. I think New Zealand still wins, but I think it's maybe like eight, ten points. Australia by two. <laughs> One day you'll get this right. One day, oh, man! I just want to be the guy that called the upset. Springboks and Argentina. What are we thinking there? I think thirty-five, twenty-two. Springboks high Spring scoring again. Springboks by twenty. Yeah, I, uh, I think, I think these players are going to go over there and yeah, and really, really mash up. Put, put, put their names forward. I think Damien Willems are at 15, Monty Lubbock, Esther Hazen, Ori. I, I love Marvin Ori, but in the Springbok setup, take him and leave him at this point. Yeah. John Klein has got a lot to prove. He had a fucking stellar game against the Aussies. Hasn't featured since. He'll he'll have something to say about it. And that front row man of Thomas Tatoi, Bongiun Bonami, and Trevor Nyakane, they've they've got something to prove too. Because they they'll want they'll want that starting starting berth from France Malherbe and, and Stephen Kitsoff. So I think it'll be good. Evan Ruth a big impact off the bench. And Kurtley Arinter, just the pocket knife coming off the bench is world class. So excited to see it. And it'll be very interesting to see whether or not they slot him in at 15. Because I think they might just do that. I think they might might that experiment a little bit. Give him a bit more time on the ball. But We'll see how that goes. It's unfortunate we've not got a crystal ball because that would be quite good. Thanks for joining us for another episode. Apologies for all the shite chat because it's been a lot of giggles and a lot of lot of straying away from topics, but I've loved it. We hope you enjoyed it too. Go check out the socials and give us a follow. We'll be back next week to review the game and talk about the box 33-man squad. Who's missed out? Who's in? should be some episode that's full time